Hour number two, Live Nation's Friday edition of the Jeff Cameron Show, and we're back live. We're good. We're good. Made it over from the luncheon. Sorry about the disjointed nature of hour one, some technical difficulties and the like, but we're good to go. We're all good to go. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Yeah, it truly was loosey-goosey here today. I don't know what all happened. I can see that uh, we... Kind of, I think we mixed and matched the first hour somehow. It didn't start on time. I don't know, but I think people, people in the chat got a normal hour, right? They did. The one thing I'd say to the people out there, very important, you're listening to WVFT Gretna, Tallahassee. There you go. Got it. You sounded it. You made it happen. That's right. That's a legal ID. That is a legal ID. Yeah, we put the first hour in the can before we raced over to the luncheon today at the More Athletic Center to listen to Mike Norvell address the press, talk about the build up the spring practice with the tour of duty. And then of course we had an opportunity to talk to coaches afterwards and in the coming days, hell in the coming hours, but also uh, days, we'll have a lot of that audio for you. A lot of that video for you. So check on warchant.com and warchant TV. And I don't know what we're going to be able to play and not play during this hour of the show, what we want to play this hour of the show. We got a lot, but uh, Tom and I were on our way over here. So we could not have like a production meeting. I don't really know. If, do you want to play my Tony Tokars interview today? Do we want to do what you got? Uh, who did you get? I talked to Coach Dugans and Coach Thompson, which, uh, wow, what a difference a year makes with those <laughs> kinds of conversations with yeah. position coaches. Mm-hmm. They're going to be happy. Um, oh, what was served at the luncheon? All right, Kayvon, I'll give you that. You had a, a piece of chicken, chicken, which was really good, and then pork sandwiches, pulled pork sandwiches, along with mac and cheese and green beans. Very classic meal. And baked beans. Oh, baked beans. I forgot. The oh, baked yeah. Beans. Yeah, yeah. The baked beans were there, too. Oh, and banana pudding if you wanted it. I didn't get any banana pudding, but I saw that some people were enamored with it. So that's what we got. That's what we got. Uh, and then also we got uh, we got a bunch of coaches that I think are really pumped about football. <laughs> they got to be, man. They've got to be. Uh, you know, I don't know. Let's compare notes live on the air here. Something that I noted here, uh, I, I listened co- closely, very closely. You know, in hour one, I remember this part of the conversation from this morning you and I had, we speculated on just how much Jordan Travis uh, we would see in the spring. You know, he is uh, obviously well-established. In my interview that I had with Tony, I talked about, I asked him about the kinds of things that they're working on, and he pointed to the fact that um, – you know, Jordan's so special that a lot of times plays work even if he does it wrong. <laughs> and that we would want to get a little bit more consistent with getting it right. And he was quick to say, now, wait a minute. I'm not trying to disparage him or say, like, that this happens a lot. But when you've played really well and you've shown an, an ability that is um, an elite level of, 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 of ability that we saw last year, it is about refining the little things and doing the little things right and and then – Again, repping that over and over and over again. So that kind of came up. Uh, he talked a little bit about, um, you know, when you are learning an offense and then trying to perfect it, that along the way, you know, not only do you have those successes and those are benchmarks, but then you look to see how much more efficient can I do this? How quickly can I go through these things? So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good. It, it was uh, fun to listen to. But I especially like the conversation about the other three quarterbacks and that brings me back to comparing notes. Pretty clear, Tom, Norvell is going to give these other quarterbacks an awful lot of time in spring practice with the ones. 
I was glad to hear that. I believe that was the final question of the day. I believe it was Ira's question. It was almost like an overtime. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. the other guys in the room, are, you know, we all know about Jordan. What do yep. you think about those guys? And yep. then he's very careful with the way that he words things. He's like, well, obviously when you have a veteran like Jordan who's established and played a lot of football, uh, there are times where, you know, obviously Jordan's got to get better, but we're going to pick and choose, you know. And he's clearly stating, look, they're going to give him a lot of rest. You don't want to overwork Jordan. He knows the offense. They'll do enough for him to get in rhythm with the newer guys and those kinds of things. But this is a wonderful opportunity for A.J. Duffy and Tate Rodemaker to take a huge step forward because they're going to get uh, some extended time with the ones. And that was interesting. He said that every one of the three scholarship backups is going to get time with the ones. And yeah. what do they do with those reps? Yeah. That, I love it. I love. I hope they were going to do that. Open discussion in the first hour of the program. But would they admit to it? And then, if so, how much would it be yeah, from Norvell's yeah. end or the quarterback's coach, Tony Tokar's? That's going to make for an interesting day or two. We don't know when those are going to occur in camp. I would imagine it would be at full pads. You don't want to do it for acclimation day one or day two next Monday and Wednesday. But those days, take a look at those observations when, when we mention them. And I believe we can report on that those days because Mike has opened the door as they happen in real time. The battle for the number two position is on. That's what Mike just did. Coach Norvell just did. He threw the gauntlet down and said, here it is. We're going to get more answers to see who is prepared to take that mantle. Friday is the first full uh, pads day. So Monday and Wednesday, just helmets. These guys will be uh, running around. We'll get another opportunity to observe body types and all that stuff that we've already talked about. But but Friday is the full pad practice. And so that will be interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see that because of the competition. He also accepted the many things that we've described about this offensive line being by far the deepest and best that he's had since he's been here. I, I would argue certainly the best that, that he's had ever, really, at any stop. This is, a, this is a revelation to a lot of us here watching this team that they're going to have what may amount to the best offensive line in the ACC and may end up being one of the better offensive lines, you know, a top 20 type offensive line. They've got depth, they've got size, and they've got versatility. And I don't think they've ever had all three of those things since I've been covering them. They've had quality starters at times. I've mentioned that before where you've thought, these five are really good. I like this guy first off the bench. After that, gets a little dicey, better stay healthy. But this group, I mean, you really stumble all over yourself trying to Make sure you remember all of the names of guys that are viable. Uh, so that's, you could tell he was giddy about that, giddy about the culture that continues to foster a really good locker room environment with the guys coming in. And he talked about the good and the bad of the transfer portal. And I thought that was interesting too. And I wanted to segue to that point here for a second. You know, one of the parts of Mike Norvell's personality that I think is appealing to both recruits and then obviously, I think for those of us that cover the team and have conversations with him when we get the opportunity to, Mike seems very pragmatic to me. He's, he's, he's a kind of a straightforward guy. He's careful about what he says and how he says it, but he's very pragmatic. He gets it. And he was talking about, look, the portal's a good thing for a lot of reasons. If you've exhausted opportunities and you've worked really hard and yet you don't see a path to play where you're currently at, well, there are opportunities out there. And I think it felt like he was talking about his own roster, that he was willing to accept that there are going to be some guys that might have to take it on down the road. 
because opportunities here are not abundant. And he, he mentioned that we're very honest with these guys. We talk to these guys directly. Hey, you can stay, but just so you know, this is where it's at. This is where you sit right now as it pertains to reps and where you are in the depth chart. And I believe that 100% that that's exactly the way they treat this because it also serves them well on the other side when they tell transfer portal players, we would love to have you. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if we weren't interested. Understand this. You're not coming here just to hang out and just assume that you're going to play because you know you're an upgrade talent-wise over what we already have. I'm going to expect you to come in and work really hard because I need you to set the example for those other guys while they're trying to get better. And also, that's the culture we have here. And I think that's true. So I think on the one hand, he kind of let it be known that there's some guys that you know are probably in a position where they need to think about taking it on down the road. And on the other hand, he sees the opportunities routinely in the portal to to bring guys in and enforce the issue in terms of competition. So that was good. I, I appreciated that quite a bit. And I also think that uh, at the end of the day, uh, they they know that that culture is strong enough now where you can have those conversations. He was asked very late in the press conference the reality of the portal being how do you balance competition and reps with the idea of also wanting to make people happy because kids could choose to leave. If they're unhappy, you play in essence, he's being asked, do you placate them by giving them reps, even if they're not? I mean, that's what he was being asked. That's a good question. Do you, it's a great question. Uh, I got to give Jerry Kutz credit for that question. But yeah, yeah, it was. Do you placate them? You know, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. That's what he was inferring. You give these guys reps, even though, you know, you know, probably not going to see the field just so they feel like they're a part of something. Or does that distance grow and you have to deal with that? That's fun, and that is the reality of what modern coaches have to deal with without question. I've wondered it from the beginning. If you got a freshman who you think is sensational, but he's just not ready, he's not, you know, he's not mature enough, maybe he's not strong enough, maybe he doesn't know the playbook, but he is elite from an athletic standpoint, and, and, and he expects to play, he comes in thinking he's going to play, how do you balance that with, uh, you know, you're not ready, I'd really like to sit you, I'd really like to redshirt you, but I know if I do, you could leave. Look, I mean, when he was answering that question, he wanted to say the two words Sam McCall. Yes, but he, he, could, like, he was well, just he was trying not to say it about they can't see what's right in front of them. We can see it. There is a vision here, and some freshmen come in and they're just freaks, or they have a unique opportunity of we're terrible at this position. So you need yeah, to go you in. Play. You, you yeah. have to play. That's not ideal either. That stunts your growth, even though he doesn't feel that way for a freshman. It can most certainly do that. But they just can't see in front of them. And, and there's, a, there's a trust that needs to be leaned on there. But then also it just comes down to the kid making a choice and saying, okay, is it better for me long-term to go through this process? And that's another thing Coach Norvell said, which is, oh, yeah, the reality is there are more snaps out there somewhere else. But what, it, what snaps you do get here? How do they prepare you for your last snap to be at the professional level and not in your college days? And that's a, I think that's a fair retort, and it's he had a chance to pivot and turn that into a pitch for the kids that are in the transfer portal or high school kids to see, and I think he did an effective job of it. I think it's, it's effective because I think that's the reality. That's what you have to say. I don't think you have to really engineer that response. I think it's just sort of a, hey, look, man, here's our reality. You, you could go elsewhere and play more right now than you're playing, but. 
Let's let's look at the big picture here. And when it comes to a guy like Sam McCall, I think there were other factors. You know, Sam was impatient and wanted to be out there, but uh, there were other factors. You know, Sam had to take it on down the road because, you know. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens, and uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way. If that's important to you, it is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Because of what we know. <laughs> so I, I don't think there was an option there. There have been guys here, though, that chose to leave that he's expressed frustration with. Like, can't you, you got you to gotta work with me here, man. I'm telling you, if you're just patient, is it going to work out for you? Doesn't work with everybody. Some people don't see it. I, I think that probably that would be applicable uh, to a young man playing defensive back at Louisville currently. You know, I, I, I think that was one of those ones where had there been some patience, he could have continued to develop and maybe even played in some capacity first. Because I thought he was, you know, we, we all know what he was. Hey, we needed the help last year. Yeah, so he, he could have helped. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. One year ago at this event, you yep. and I were talking, and I was asking you about the progress that Jordan had made. And, you know, at that time, Jordan had already proven that he was an elite runner and elusive and could buy time and make throws. And we talked about the next step in that development as a thrower. Sure. Well, then this year happened. Yep. And 
you were very confident that that was going to happen at the time. You'd seen all the signs. I know Mike was asked about it beforehand, before you and I sat down, but what, what are the things that you're working with Jordan on now? After a season like that where he proved that he can be a complete quarterback and did so many things so well, what are you trying to see in terms of improvement for him now as we head into spring? I think the biggest thing with him is the, the, the consistency and the fundamentals. Um, He's smart. He understands the ins and outs of the offense. He knows what the issues are, and he knows what the solutions are. Um, you go through and you, you watch self-scout. You watch a season's worth of, 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 of film, and, and you go over that stuff with those guys. And, yeah, sometimes you have a end result that is pretty good, but it's not necessarily the way that you, you drew it up or, or it wasn't necessarily executed from a fundamental standpoint the way that you had worked on it throughout the week. Um, so it's – it's, it's how can we help him execute at a consistently high level being consistent fundamentally because you look at a lot of those times and especially in high stress situations one of the things that you can always fall back on is your fundamentals when the bullets are flying when the look isn't what you thought it would be go back to your training and, and, and trust that so just the consistency within that, that, that that's what I would say was there any area in this past season where Jordan actually surprised you with how far he had come. Like you knew he was prepared to have success. You talked about how much work he had put in, yep. but then you watch it play out. I know that it works both ways. Sometimes you see things you're like, ah, we got to work on that. But there's also times for coaches where you go, wow, that is a lot different. That that's further along than I realized. Sure. I think I don't want to cut Jordan short at all here or anything like that. But I mean, I knew what he could be. Coach knew what he could be. And he went out and worked on it and just tried to prove it week in and week out. Um, I think after our, our three-game skid, he kicked it into overdrive, though. Just, I mean, not to say that his approach was poor or that he had bad habits before or anything, but he really he took complete ownership of what happened, whether it was truly his issue or not and just really just willed our team, our program, to, to finish the way that we did. Um, I think that he's always going to make the plays that make you say, wow, you know, that's that's part of who he is. Um, and I'm just, I'm really lucky to be his position coach. He <laughs> makes me a, a, a better quarterback coach than I, than I should get credit for, that's for sure. So let's talk about the rest of that room because mm-hmm. there were also some great moments there uh, for Tate Rodemaker. And I think for people like myself who've covered this team, since, you know, been here since before him and certainly watched him arrive, and we, we'd see it in practice. And we've talked about this. We'd see it all the time in practice. And then the lights would come on. It didn't matter if it was a spring game or a scrimmage or a regular season game. It just didn't seem to translate as well. And then the Louisville game happens, and it starts as poorly as it does for him, and it ends as magnificently as it did. You must have been beaming with, with pride. I mean, you must have been overwhelmed. I mean, I, you see a moment like that. I know how invested you guys are in players. I don't right. bring tears to your eyes to see that. It was awesome. When I was able to get down from the box, that was the first person I was looking for. Um, and one thing that was really cool, when I got down to the field, the person that was next to him was Jordan. And so to see the support that that Tate had from other guys in the room that he had from Jordan, um, it was unbelievable. So it wasn't even just me. It was the other guys on the team, the other guys in the room. They were fired up for him. And to be honest with you, I mean, that game, everybody saw it. Like you said, it, it didn't start great for him when, when he had to go in. And, um, for him to, to respond the way that he did and come through in the clutch, I mean, that's – those are the plays that he is capable of making. 
when he throws that pick, yeah. are you, uh, as a quarterback coach, are you thinking, oh no, it, it's still too big for him? It's too. Like, like, what are you doing in that moment right. to try to help? And, and that, what can you do? In, in that moment, as soon as they get to the sideline, try and ask them, hey, what did you see? How did you see this? At that moment, I'll get a sense of if they're actually seeing the game and reacting to it, or if they're almost kind of the lights are too bright. You know what I mean? It's that communication back and forth between player and coach where you get a sense of really if they're in it or if they're not. And that's one of those things I gotta I gotta do a great job of understanding my players and how they communicate because I'm not on the sidelines with them on game days. So I can't always see their eyes. You can tell a lot about a player in game just by that eye to eye contact and everything. And the other piece of that too is just the relationship that Coach Ravel and I have. I mean we have to be able to trust each other and play off each other with the quarterback position, especially on game day. I mean, hey, how's he looking down there? Ask him what he saw, what do you think, and then what can we do to, to fix the issue or what can we do to make it better, you know? So. What are you expecting from him in this camp, obviously? Um, he's a guy now who should have some confidence. Right. Uh, and I'm going to ask about AJ in a second. Sure. When you cover, but I'm just kind of curious what you want to see from Tate. I'd like to see Tate come out, operate on a consistent basis, um, show growth in the command of the offense because the reality of it is, is at the end of the day Jordan still has taken the majority of the reps with the ones um, he's Jordan has more reps under his belt than Tate does but Tate needs to continue to maximize those reps for that growth and I think I mean coach coach said it earlier I believe it said um, force force us to play you you know force us to give you those opportunities um, and I want to see Tate really continue to push on a consistent basis to go out and execute and force us to give him those opportunities. What did you make of AJ in his first season? Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's not reasonable to necessarily expect a a true freshman quarterback to come in and wow anybody. Right. They got to learn, they got to understand the playbook, and they got to find consistency in their own game. But what did you see from him assess his first season, and what do you expect for this year? So some of the things that we knew in the recruiting process from AJ, we knew that he was an intelligent, high football IQ type kid. He's got the physical ability to do what we ask him to do, especially within our scheme. He's a fit, right? Physically, he's a fit. Mentally, he's a fit for what we want to do. There's still the learning curve of being a young guy when you come in, though. So being able to apply meeting room to practice, to scrimmage, or to game, you know, have that carryover from meeting to individual practice to live settings. I mean, I, th- I think that as the season progressed, he did much better with that. Um, it'll be fun to see where AJ goes just because, I mean, we talk about competition in our room all the time, and he's done a remarkable job this offseason just in his maturity and growth as a leader um, and as an individual both on the field and off the field. So I'm pretty excited to, to, to get out there with AJ. And final thing with Brock, what do you expect to see when you bring in a freshman quarterback? I know what you just said about AJ, yeah. but uh, every player is different, right. and everybody's learning curve is different. You also sure. don't know where they're at physically. I guess give me an assessment. Sure. Um, Brock is... From a physical standpoint, we'll start there. That's kind of the easy stuff, right? I mean, he's, he's a guy that's got a big arm. He's deceptively athletic. I think you guys get to see in some of the tour duty yeah. stuff. He moves a lot better than people thought he did. Um, he's a weight room guy. I mean, I told a story back when we, when we signed him. He used to go work out with the offensive linemen for multiple reasons. One, I mean, he's physically he's strong, and he's an impressive person physically. Um, but two, he believes in building that trust and, and, and having – um, ownership of that group playing quarterback, you know. Um, from a mental standpoint, I think one of the things that's going to serve him best is the fact that he's a relentless worker. So 
physically he's going to work his tail off but that carries over to how we meet to how he prepares himself to how he studies um and all those things just kind of carry over into who he is as a person i mean he's a tough physically mentally emotionally he's a tough person um he's smart he is a worker and i think that that the room feels that too and, and and that brings added value to the room and helps push everybody else in a, in a healthy competitive way well good luck i appreciate you Again, appreciate it awesome. hopefully we're having another great conversation next year at this time yes about sir further growth and all that but absolutely be well man appreciate Thanks. it Take care. before i forget to tell you this tom if you get a chance today and you're watching replays from bay hill the sky mic, <laughs> uh, the buoy mic, however you want to describe it, on the course um, was live and uh, not on delay. And can I can I guess? Yeah. At the person? Yeah. All right, John Rom. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, That's going to be a good one then. It's a good one. Well, especially since she was not any good today. Oh, he wasn't. I've got no idea what the board looks like today. Yeah, I think he shot a 76 today. Well, from what I heard, I mean, we are having a wind advisory here through 10 p.m. It's yeah. it's affecting down there pretty badly, right? Yeah, depending on the window. So some guys are catching a little British Open action yeah, here yeah. where you're getting nonsense deciding the tournament. I don't want to say that's unfair to Kitayama, who played really well yesterday, and he's in the lead now. But, yeah, I mean, some of these windows are featuring far, featuring far less wind. Uh, yeah, John shot a 76 today, so... He goes 65-76. You don't see that every day from him. And um, he's in the middle of the fairway with a mid-iron in his hand. And uh, as soon as he hit it, he didn't like it. And uh, <laughs> it's colorful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the big one. Oh, really? It, oh, it's, it's a couple. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> it's, you remember I told you that I saw Hunter Mahan at Sawgrass years ago? I went, so this is a good story, and I can't, I'll just tell it again really quick. I went over to Sawgrass. This is back when Hunter Mahan didn't suck. And uh, he was teeing off. I can't remember the hole we were on. I walked a lot of them that day. Uh, and I was right next to this family, this, this dad and wife and their two kids, like 10 and 15, like my kids now. And uh, they're all watching. And he yanks the hell out of one left. I mean, it's, it's in danger of being OB. When he hits it so far left, and he knows as soon as he hits it, <laughs> this the whole tee box is lined with folks, and he drops down with an MF at the top of his lungs. I mean, it bar- the ball's barely off the club, and you hear the MF. If it impresses you, because you you got pipes on the golf course if, yeah. if it doesn't go well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been known to. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> there may have been a recent. Uh, well, you finish your story. Yeah, I'll tell. Mine. And so then, anyhow, that. That happened, and uh, I remember I'm laughing because, you know, not much offends me. I'm like, because <laughs> I get it. I mean, we've all done it, and he's playing for money, and so that's a big deal. But that father was mortified the look on his face. I was like, hey, man, come on now. You, you're obviously a golf fan. I think we were on 6T on Capital City, the par 3 up the hill. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you're right. And I, there was a group on 14 Green. I didn't know there green. was a group on 14 Green. 14 Green. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, it was probably six syllables worth of goodness. I yanked it left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was too quick. I yanked yeah. it left. And I, as soon as I hit it. There might it, have been a guy putting <laughs> who turned around. 
I don't think he made that putt based upon the way he turned around. I don't think he was mad at me. Just the timing. The, the timing was sort of, yeah. And I was like, uh, as soon as I got done uttering what I uttered to get it off my chest. I was standing to your left, so I could see it in the backdrop. Based upon his turnaround, I think that the yell happened right in the backstroke <laughs> as he's taking the, the putter blade away. No doubt for money. I want you to make sure you don't, don't miss the uh, John Rahm moment from today. It's, a, it's, it's up there with the great Tiger Woods moments. Uh, really enjoyed that discussion, I got to tell you, that we had with Tony today. I really enjoyed it. He's uh, fun to talk to, uh, and he's, he's, a, he's a genuine guy. He was last year when I talked to him, and, you know, that's a guy, I just want to say this, not a lot of people talk about the quarterback coach. Right now, the, the praise certainly rightfully, understandably goes to guys like Alex Adkins, who's done such a good job, and he's the OC and the offensive line coach, and he's been so effective as a recruiter as well. And then, of course, Mike Norvell, who calls the plays on game day and has done a really good job. Those numbers speak for themselves. But Tony bet on himself. You brought that up before. You know, Tony could have taken another job and had an elevated position elsewhere, but he chose to stay on Mike's staff because he believes in Mike, and that's a testament to Mike, and he wanted to learn more from him and then got his opportunity to be a quarterback coach. Now, it helps that, and he said as much, he was sort of self-deprecating there where he's like, I'm, you know, I'm made to look a lot better because of Jordan Travis. But, you know, listen, I don't think it's by accident that he works with Jordan last year before the start of the season. Tony was a mobile quarterback himself at a lower level and is a, is, is a really good athlete. And so I think there was some relatability there, and they talked a lot about kind of honing those skills and becoming a better passer. you got to give him some credit, too. Absolutely. Now, he did stop short of saying he made me some money, but that's what that's what he was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in studying how they work at practice, there is an awful lot of one-on-one instruction on the field between oh, Tony and the yeah. quarterbacks. Ton. Whereas in the past... We'll go back a couple of head coaches. It's like anything else. If you're Nick Saban's defensive backs coach, you're going to get interrupted a lot when there's instruction about technique. Nick is going to take over that discussion. That's his position position of expertise. Yeah. In the same way here under Jimbo, the quarterback's coach was, a, yes, a position that was filled, but Jimbo would interrupt and or lead the discussion with the quarterbacks most every practice. In this case, Coach Norvell is running all over the quadrants of the practice fields. They've got drills going in the four corners of the two fields that are outside. He is moving from place to place. He'll linger with the offensive side more often. That's natural. But Coach Tokar is just leading the way with the quarterbacks for, what do you think, 80% of the instruction? That's uh, He is very well trusted. And that is to say, right, and that is to say nothing about the meeting rooms and the individual rooms where the coaches set some time away like office hours for a professor in college where they can go one-on-one with their players. So uh, that is not a... a an on-field title in name only for Tony Tokars. It is He is very much the quarterback's coach here. And so whatever development happened, you have to give him credit. There are quarterback's coaches in the past that I wouldn't. For him, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. This is a, uh, a hardworking staff. That That is not lost on me. The amount of time and effort. Now, listen, that's what you pay a large amount of money for guys to do. You know, it, it, they're not volunteers. I say it all the time. You know, I mean, if you're going to make millions of dollars, or in, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, there's going to be an awful lot of responsibility put on you, and they demand not only expertise, but uh, success on the field, as well as growth off of it, and they expect you to put in the time. And this staff is not lacking there. There have been staffs in the past where you weren't sure the commitment level 
across the board was there. That's another compliment that I can give this staff. That's not the case. These guys work really hard. We learned even more about that today in an off-the-record discussion that I had with Adam Fuller, who I think is uh, really football savvy. I, I'm rooting for that guy to have success for all the obvious reasons and that I want Florida State to win. And I think the next big step for this program will be for that defense to, um, in, in an accelerated manner, become more consistent against the better offenses. And uh, in a modern football game, you can't judge great defense the way you once did. You, even the really good defenses are going to give up points. Um, but we can be better than we've been, and I think he's now armed with the, the ability to do that. Certainly we can have a, a lot of different looks now, and he's got a lot of guys competing, which should go a long way. But, you know, just talking with Adam and his commitment to these kids and his commitment to uh, the work, putting in the work, um, you, you root for guys like that. You want them to have success. Tony's the same way. Uh, obviously this is a staff full of guys that we're pretty happy with right now. Well, I'll tell you that Coach Dugan's is the same way, and, and I kind of joked about it at the beginning, but it's true. Like, if you were to put all of these videos out of interviews of the coaching staff on our Warchant TV enterprise, I don't know that the wide receivers coach would be that high on the list in the last couple of luncheons. Mm. But now, with that position group doing a, a complete 180, yeah, you now have a veteran presence with a guy like Micah Pittman or Johnny Wilson that have been a year into the system. Kentron Kentron's third year into the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston Wright is now closer to fully healthy. He looked very impressive yesterday at the Tour of Duty workouts. And you've got Hakeem Williams and Vandravius Jacobs now as true freshmen. That is, it is a position that is really, really interesting. I didn't even bring up Darion Williamson, who Mike Norvell brings up at every turn as somebody who could be a difference maker. But you can see it in Coach Dugan's eyes, the relief from year to year, the relief that he feels about the situation where they have a variety of skill sets. And they're also going about things the right way. Yeah, the uh, I think it's interesting that he goes out of his way to talk about Darian Williamson. And then also he mentioned Span more than once today. So did Coach Dugans. I'm glad you said that. Apparently he has been very, very good in workouts. Yesterday, and I meant to tell you that, Tom, I screwed it up yesterday. For all of the verbiage we gave to every position group and incoming players and you know transfers and freshmen and all that, I wanted to mention that Span looked good. Uh, he looked, he looked like he was in a good headspace. He, you know, the reps were were full, one hundred percent, all in, all the time. Uh, he looked healthy and really fast. And we already know what his body type says he is. If that kid can learn to successfully run routes consistently, uh, and I, I just think he's such an, a unique athlete. That's a guy we don't talk a lot about because of all of the people that have been ahead of him on the depth chart. And because he's only been a receiver for two years, you know, he was a quarterback in high school. I'm obviously rooting for him. He's a Lakewood guy, but he's a guy who has the ability to, to maybe be an NFL wide receiver. And who knows where he ends up this year? I mean, that first full year at receiver this past year. And obviously he, he had a lot of growing up to do in terms of understanding the position, what was being asked of him. And then the consistency, uh, and, and it wasn't there. It wasn't there a year ago, and he had too many guys. Uh, so it's it's just exciting to think about that guy also taking a step forward, along with Williamson. It's also worth reflecting that one of the best moments of the year, in terms of us being able to see on-field coaching, was Deuce Span and Mike Norvell's interaction in the Miami game, in which there was a blow-up on the sideline. Yeah. Coach Norvell made a choice. You could see him going through the math of, should I stay here and focus on the big picture, 
or should I go chase this young man and have a conversation? Norvell did. Next time they get the ball, they give the ball back to the player. play. That's one of the great moments. And if his career takes off at Florida State. You'll remember that moment, yeah. That's the moment it changed. Mike does it a lot. He does it a lot. It's another another brownie point for Mike. I mean, I, yeah, there are things that I still want to see him get better at. There's no perfect coach. I get it. I'm not trying to tell somebody anything that's uh, you know absurd, but I, I just he does a lot of things that endear him to this team, to this program, to these fans. We got to take an extra break this hour. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Come back. We'll wrap it up momentarily. <laughs> Wrap it up. Mm-mm, there's a cold beard in my future. It may or may not happen. I'm thinking it's going to happen. There will be espresso martinis? Yes. There it is. I was going to say espresso adult beverages for me later on tonight. Probably wait to the latter innings of the baseball game. What time is first pitch? It's a great question. I'll let you know in a minute. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I would think I'd know that, but we've been busy today with football, man. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? do about it? Five o'clock. So they are very easy. Odd number start times this weekend. Five, three, and one. Today, tomorrow, Sunday. Yeah, this is a fun team, and if we don't get a ton of rain out there, maybe making my way over to the ballpark. You're right. I was actually talking about Florida State baseball with uh, Adam Fuller today. And he being from a major league town, I told him before you sat down that you and he share a similar background and then turnaround. I said, you know, when, when Tom first, the thought of watching college baseball at first, given that he's a professional baseball fan from a New York, from New York, from that market with the Mets, it was like, eh, I don't know about college baseball, but you learn to separate the two and love college baseball for what it is and how unique it is at Florida State. Also, thankfully, the bats deadening a little bit helped. has helped, and the baseball seems coming down. Yeah, things helped. Yeah, they made rules that made it more resemble the pro game than it used to. Uh, yeah, eighteen fifteen doesn't happen anymore, thankfully. Uh, used to on the regular. And so Adam said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm starting to pay attention. I'm starting to like it. I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I, obviously I'm rooting for all the other programs to do well because they all know the other coaches. But he was talking about the uh, carry-on triple and in and, and the 13th and then the, the sadist pop-up that <laughs> falls. And, we're thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, very thankful for that. And we were going through the, uh, the, the conversation, and, and we were just kind of talking about it. College baseball. I said, "Yeah, when I first got here, same thing. I didn't, I didn't love college baseball, but I mentioned I used to do my homework out in the bleachers. Then you start to fall in love with it. And Florida State has such a, a rich history and a passion, and you can get into it. And then you, you kind of won over. And he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm won over. I think I'm won over. I'm going to start uh, working uh, from the baseball stadium." I'm like, "There you go. There you go. Start putting in the work at the baseball stadium." These luncheons allow for us to have side conversations with all the coaches and. Uh, you always learn something. You always learn something about not just their backgrounds and the way they view the sport or what it is that they are teaching, but also their view of the uh, downtime, and they don't get a lot of it and where they spend it. So that, too, is fun. 
Got a question about the wind today. It's uh, blowing from right field to left field. It's kind of a cross breeze, and it'll be strong tonight. Could very well be an ugly night at the ballpark. We'll see. Line drives to the left are going over the fence. Yeah. yeah. Good work out of you, and thanks to everybody who tuned in. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your weekend, and be safe. We'll talk to you on Monday. Peace.